hi, welcome to a new episode of the Abundant Encounters podcast. My name is Joshua Marsingill, and it's a delight to be here with you today. The Abundant Encounters podcast exists to help facilitate uh, regular stewardship of the moments that we share with the reality of God. We believe with all our heart that God is not short on encounters. I have encounters frequently, personally, and I'm so thankful and I'm so vulnerable to God in that sense. And um, But I've noticed that as I add intentionality and as anyone adds intentionality to seeing God, experiencing God, acknowledging him they end up cultivating um, deeper richer realities with god and he becomes more of a part of their day-to-day jesus he would go about doing what he saw his father doing and saying what he heard his father saying he was having regular encounters with the reality of god and jesus wanted us to have what he had that's uh john 17 if you ever want to just kind of pour over that it's so beautiful what jesus wanted for those that he was you know leaving behind in a sense but also connecting to the vine uh, as he was making that sacrifice so we have a lot to look forward to my friends we have a lot to engage with with god and so that's what this is about Lord, I pray for everyone listening. Bless them. Bless them. Blessings are amazing, Father God. Your blessings are rich and full and made just for us individually, Lord. You've thought it through for each of us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would you would send your blessing right now in Jesus' name. And uh, bind up anything that would hinder this time that we could share together. And I just release heaven all around us through us just begin to engage with heaven right now feel it around you feel it pouring out if you can just utilize your imagination anything you'd like just to experience heaven right now yes lord receive your holy spirit Thank you, thank you, thank you. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. Today we're continuing on in Luke 16, and I'm very excited about this. Uh, it's uh, We're reading from the Mira Bible Translation, which is very 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 awesome it's a it's a wonderful translation we were given permission to utilize their their work i just want to recommend it with my whole heart it's uh the commentary is what's going to absolutely change your life um so yeah you, there's an app i think it's 20 dollars, and uh, that's going to be money well spent you'll you'll love it um 
I don't use the Mirror Bible alone, but I refer to it frequently because of all the insights and stuff and all the study that's been put into it is incredible. So it'll get you thinking, that's for sure. And um, so we're going to start here in Luke 16 from verse 1. Jesus then told another parable to his disciples. A certain wealthy man had a business manager. Rumors had it that this man was wasting his property. Thus the manager was summoned. What is this I hear about you? Let me examine your books. It seems to me that you no longer qualify to be my manager. And so the manager was forced to consider his options. It was clear to him that he was going to be fired, and he knew that he was not strong enough for hard labor, and too proud to become a beggar. Aha! I know exactly what I should do. Might be jobless, but I will not be homeless. He then called his boss's debtors one by one, and asked the first one, So how much do you owe? He replied, I owe your boss 100 containers of olive oil. The manager handed him his account and told him to sit down and quickly write 50 containers instead. To a second he said, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. The manager replied, this is your account, change it to 80 measures. The man's cunning impressed the boss who commended him saying, that in their interactions, the children of the present era are more prudent than the children of the enlightened generation. So, there is a lesson to be learnt in the out-of-sync system of mammon. In the parable, the system obviously also engages relationships, the point being that friendship triumphs, even in an unrighteous environment. So when mammon fails, friendship survives. Integrity is the same principle in any context, whether it be in something really small and seemingly insignificant, or in something of extreme importance and consequence. If someone cannot be trusted with little, detailed things, they will not be entrusted with big things. Being unfaithful with unrighteous mammon disqualifies you to be entrusted with true riches. So if you cannot be trusted in stewarding what belongs to someone else, your reputation will stop others giving to you, and your life remains one of a slave rather than an owner. Not even a domestic worker can be employed by two masters. Their devotion will be apparent. It can only be the money or the boss. The one will be despised and the other loved. The one clung to while the other is scorned. It is not possible to be a bond friend of God and mammon at the same time. The Pharisees were listening all along to all these parables, since their fondness for money was the lure in the stories Jesus told. They were obviously intrigued and addicted to witness how he continued to dismantle their hypocrisy, even though they sneered at what he said and made a mockery of it. Jesus continued, 
In your self-righteousness, you might appear to be the heroes in the eyes of the people, but God knows your hearts. And what might be highly esteemed by people is rotten to the core in God's opinion. The era of the law and the prophets terminated with John. From then on, the good news of the kingdom of God is proclaimed. Yet it seems that everyone is still desperately forcing their way in with their bias, mind, and muscle. While you are striving to violently force your way into God's kingdom, let me remind you that it is far more likely for heaven and earth to dissolve into non-existence without anyone even lifting a finger than what it is for one smallest stroke of a letter in the law to fall meaningless to the ground. If a man divorces his wife to marry another woman, he commits adultery. Also, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. There was a certain rich man who was in the habit to wear royal purple robes with transparent outer garments of the most costly fine linen. He spent his days sumptuously feasting while hosting dazzling banquets. Then there was Lazarus, a crouching beggar, covered with boils and thrown at the gate of the rich man's mansion. He longed to fill his stomach with the scraps flung on the floor from the rich man's table, but his only consolation would be the dogs licking his sores. Then one day Lazarus died, and he was escorted by celestial messengers into the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. Being in torment in Hades, he looked up, and in the distance he recognized Abraham embracing Lazarus. Then he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am sinking into this flame. Abraham replied, Child, remember that you had your share of good in your life, and Lazarus his share of misery. Now it is reversed. He is comforted in his authentic identity, while you are sinking into distress. Besides, between us is a huge chasm, which cannot be bridged, not from your side, neither from ours. He replied, I plead with you, Father, send him to my family. Let him earnestly warn my five brothers, so that they do not end up in this terrible place. Abraham answered, Your brothers already have Moses and the prophets. To hear them is to escape the blindfold. No, Father Abraham, if someone could go to them from the dead, they will surely awaken in their understanding. He said to him, If they cannot hear Moses and the prophets, then even if someone should rise from the dead, they will not be persuaded. And the thing about the certain rich man is that there's a little bit of him in every person in humanity. Um, if you can admit it, you, I know... I have felt that I have overlooked others in their need at times. It's not, not that I'm proud of that, but in that context, I, I know that um, 
what's being shared here is deeper than what is available on the surface. Thank God for God. God had a plan to save those wretches, even the ones like me, you know. And in identifying with that, I understand that I need a savior really bad. Otherwise, I am going to end up on the other side of a chasm. Now, you may think that that's the end of the story, but even reversing back to uh, Luke uh 3, 5, we see that there is a plan that includes eliminating these chasms. Look at this, it says, and this is the New King James Version, it says, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. There is tremendous hope still available to all of us who fit that description. I may have shared this in another podcast, but it was important um, during an encounter one day, I was watching um, The Passion of the Christ, and um, I felt like I was transported into that, um, that arena where they were uh, condemning Jesus and the crowd is shouting, crucify him crucify him and instead of you know having an opportunity to say how dare you say that about my jesus which i would have loved to hear me say it i realized that i was one of the crowd members yelling out crucify him crucify him and i just kept saying it over and over and over again and and eventually my i realized that you know, God knew at all times that we would kill him if we ever came face to face with him. He understood what would happen to his son as he sent him. And still he died for you and me. And, you know, I may have been especially in, in my life before Christ, I was very angry with God. Um, I thought, how could he do this? How could he kill all these people and take? And he's a taker. And I had this bad understanding of who he was. I would have crucified him. And I did in my heart. Again and again. I was even an atheist. I, I shamed Christians for their faith. And, uh, you know, of course, I came into a grievance over these, these actions I've taken. Um, but the point, the point I'm making is that God has made a way for us to connect with Him. See, obedience is a fruit. It's not a it's not just a choice. It's it's something that comes out of our relationship with God. Love for God comes from God. 
He's the only place we can even get it. It takes God to love God. It's an eternal, infinite supply of love that loves God. And first it has to reach us. And so in Jesus, not just when he went to the cross, but when he rose from the grave, he crossed the incrossable chasm that lay between us and him. We received impossible forgiveness. Another really helpful understanding for reading Luke 16 is that at this point in Jesus' ministries, he, he is basically being attacked by the Pharisees. The Pharisees are attacking because of this chasm. They do not understand what is being presented. If they knew it was the Messiah, they would wake up. But they cannot even acknowledge it. There's such a distance between them and him. And he says, listen, you guys are like managing this property of God. And and we all know you're crooked. We all know there's something wrong with the way you're doing it. You try to preserve relationships at times because you know that how fruitless this is, at least internally, if you could ever admit to it. Jesus is explaining that their devotion is creating their own slavery, their own hell, and it's preventing them from entering in to the inheritance that Jesus was revealing to them. The kingdom was at hand. The kingdom was taking place. Jesus was healing people right in front of him. They were being affected by the reality of uh, that of a non-fallen of heaven in heaven there is no sickness in heaven there's no demonic torment and people were being saved healed, delivered all of it they were being sozoed Jesus was trying to minister to these these brutal Pharisees to share love with them but he understood that Every word he said was falling on deaf ears as well because of the stance that they were taking towards him. Sometimes in order to see what is being offered by our courageous, amazing Lord is to take us take a switch in our position, like change the way we think. If if all of our thinking has gotten us, this is, I'm stealing this from Graham Cook, but if all of our um, thinking has gotten us to a place we don't like, change our thoughts. Jesus has given us, through his resurrection, the incredible power that raised his dead body from the grave. In doing that, we have the ability to not only confess our sins and say, hey, I, I think I was like that 
that certain rich man who overlooked Lazarus. I think I did it intentionally from time to time. And to take that and say, you know what? Because of him, I can change. I can do this differently. And you know, who wouldn't want to? You would want to make the change. In some way, your identity has been absolutely marred by actions that you took under the influence of a false identity. Your past and the the things, the choices that you've made have been the fruit of what you believed about yourself. Jesus is saying that you're a son, you're a daughter of a father. You're never alone. This is who you are, he says. Listen, and those crooked places are being made straight as you hear him, as you position yourself in repentance. It's a lifestyle. It's every, every day. And it's not because we're so wretched and all that other stuff. He's made us righteous. He's given us his righteousness. And so what we really experience is the conviction of his righteousness, which produces in us an identity that doesn't overlook the Lazaruses in front of us, but not from a slave mindset, but from a son's mindset. We see the Lazaruses as the greatest calling of our hearts We desire to help them. We want to be a part of their life. And even when they're difficult and and they're unruly and they do not, you know, they don't return our kindness with kindness. We know and we feel and we connect to the reality that our identity doesn't depend on whether or not they receive our kindness. It depends on our position to God and our receiving of His heaven in our lives, his abundance, his higher truths. He is the keeper of our identity, the lover, the lover of our souls. Maybe you've been confessing to something for long enough. And so this activation today is quite simple. If you haven't figured out how to get rid of the nagging, um, you know, Lazarus situation where you feel guilt and shame about the things that you've done, then follow me into this activation. Begin by picturing Jesus. Take a closer look. No matter where or what he showed you, just begin to move in closer. Mm 
if you are able or so inclined, I would recommend that you hug him with all of your strength. Wrap your arms around him. Take time to feel the warmth of his embrace. And I'm telling you to do this because right here in this posture is where you confess that thing, that Lazarus. Make your confession. Jesus hears you. Wait to see him hear you. Wait till he receives it. Utilize your imagination. Feel. Press into the experience that we have this amazing ability as human beings to participate with spiritual realities through our imagination. Utilize that with everything you've got. We're not going to stop there. If you've made your confession or, or spend more time doing that. I want you to just hand it to him. Hand all of that confession to him and say, I want to make a change. What is one thing I can do today to step into my true identity. Now I believe that some of you are receiving genuine, detailed instructions from Jesus Christ. And um, if you're not, it's okay. If it's confusing, it's okay. Thank God that community in Christ exists. It may be important for you to reach out to a family member or someone you know who loves Jesus. It can help you through this process, someone you trust. Um, counselors are great options if necessary. Uh, we have counseling services at AbundantEncounters.com. But repent and step into your abundant opportunity to live a life of repentance, to be continually repentant. Not because you're such a terrible person, but because you're such an amazing person. Because God chose you and died for you and rose from the dead for you. Let his value determine your identity, not yours. Be convicted of his righteousness alive in you. bring together every chasm to connect you forever and ever 
so that he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you. Repentance is a lifestyle. Jesus would do what he saw his father doing and say what he heard him saying. The true reality of repentance is a life like that. That's what a son does. Constantly looks for what his father is doing and saying so that he can repeat that. That doesn't make you a robot. You will innovate. True sons innovate on what their fathers have done. But you will lovingly and with great joy be set free to live out a life of liberty in your father's footsteps. He will not leave you alone so that the things that come around like the Lazarus will be overlooked and you'll be left with the chasm of shame. You'll begin to understand what he'll do. You won't be lost, you'll be found. It's great news. It's such good news. There's no way I can tell you how great news it is. You will experience it if you're there to receive it. If God hasn't made the crooked places straight, for you do not despair. It may be important for you to commit to laying your life back down for Him. These are normal things for Christians to experience. Rededicate your life to Him. Surrender again. You cannot perform a surrender. You can't do it. If it wasn't real the first time, it's okay. It's just you can't perform it. It has to be real. Through that surrender, your old life passes away. It's dead and gone forever. That is where the chasm goes to doesn't come back and never will be able to fight for you God decided that you were worth it it's time you did as well God bless you Today might be a big new day, 
especially if it is the first time you used a prophetic act like this and got pulled into a real encounter with the living God in his heaven on earth. This determination may reveal how the same God has been encountering you for many years and will eventually reveal how God is really everywhere and in everything. The good news, he is for you and not against you. He's hidden there for you and not from you. Seek him and find him. Seek like a king before you share as his priest. What you begin to find and uncover will cross the boundary of word only and enter into your own truth. You'll begin to live there. We pray blessing on you. May you be prosperous today from the inside of your spirit, through your soul, and then out into every circumstance of your day. May joy, hope, and peace overflow from within you abundantly. God is not short on encounters, my friend. I pray that the supply of heaven fill your life with infinite wealth that overwhelms and overcomes every deficit of this world around you and others here in this world. In Jesus' name. Come and visit us online at AbundantEncounters.com where you can find out more about our cause. We want everyone to have an encounter with God today. And on that website, you can find out ways to help yourself, help your friends. There's counseling, coaching, and articles available that will help you to embrace the lifestyle of encountering God. AbundantEncounters.com The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.